Diddlers. I'm Keith, and I'm here with my buddy John. So this must What's be. What's up, y'all? Flumadiddle. Your somewhat reliable source of information for most things. Most things. Well, Keith, we've uh, had the old funk, snot, junk up in our heads here lately. Maybe a little snuffing, sniffling, right. sneezing. So if we coughing. sound a little nasal, a little nasally. But that's all right, man. Those things happen even to the best of us. So right. Keith, look. I think we got something good going here today. We're going to talk about an individual. Is there Flumadiddle surrounding his life? Yeah, there's lots of Flumadiddle. Oh, absolutely. He may have been the king of Flumadiddle. The king of Flumadiddle. Yeah. I wonder if we could use his likeness, make stickers. We could. Flumadiddle. I wonder who owns his likeness. We'll probably have to get permission for that, but I think that would be very fitting for Flumadiddle, for sure. All right, Keith, tell us who we're going to talk about today. The Great. Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. One of my favorites, man. I love some Andy Kaufman. I always have. You know what? He's great. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Andy Kaufman. What's that? That dude is freaking weird. He is. He's he is weird. a strange dude. But very like, interesting, though. Very polarizing character. Exactly. So who who was Andy Kaufman, John, for those listeners out there who may be youngins or may just be, you know, just don't know who he is? Well, we're going to explore that a little bit, but that's a really hard question to answer. Yeah, he, he was a hard man to read. Absolutely. Absolutely. He did crazy stuff, Yeah, oftentimes, pranks, gags, whatever, and maybe it was really him. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe Actually, it was a character. Maybe it was his real personality. That's part of the intrigue. And he played a lot knows. of characters. And, like, actually, I read this thing that was some story that was circling around New York clubs a while back about this this lady who had a date with him who said that he was in a character the whole time he was on a date with her. So she said, I didn't go on a date with Kaufman. I went on a date with this character. He said it was a lot of fun. She enjoyed it, but she just never really got to know who Andy Kaufman was. Exactly, and I think a lot of his close friends would say that, and he liked that air of mystery he surrounded sure him. He fostered that, obviously. Yeah, it, it kind of made him happy if he was confusing people he kind of he was great in the art of confusion you know absolutely man absolutely. so maybe uh we should answer that question what was andy kaufman was he a comedian john uh i think originally that's what i would have called him right. but at the same time i guess he that, was, that depends on what you think a comedian is exactly because he's not always funny right but he's always entertaining absolutely and so um and I, you know, and I think he didn't consider himself a comedian; considered himself a performance artist. That's okay. what he called himself. I can, I can work with that. I can accept that. But no matter how you look at it, he was brilliant. I mean, it, to to do what he did, to make people laugh the way he did with the things he did, it was just amazing. It amazes me. Absolutely. And we'll talk about a few of those things that that he did. But I mean, for sure, though, he pushed the boundaries of what was acceptable in society. He also pushed the boundaries of status quo you know he didn't go along with the flow like Absolutely. everybody was doing this routine he was like nah i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stand out there and read the great gatsby i'm just right. gonna stand out there and do <laughs> something stupid and people are gonna laugh you know and and they did but whatever he did he was an entertainer entertainment don't when you're being entertained that don't mean you're necessarily laughing the whole time right exactly you know you could be crying or get mad or it's all entertainment right exactly well keith i've got a quote here from julia hetch i believe is how you say it from an article she wrote in the new yorker 
where Andy says this. He says, I want the audience to have a wonderful, happy feeling inside them and leave with big smiles on their faces. Andy said with a blank stare when I met him for the first time. When he saw reviews calling him a comedian, he looked unhappy. I wouldn't mind being compared to Charlie Chaplin or W.C. Fields, he said sadly, but I don't find most comedy funny. Right. And so he didn't really consider himself a comedian. You know, he, like he said, he didn't find most comedy of that time funny. And uh, just to mention that article there, um, I got a lot of my information from that article. So, you know, if you want more information about what we're talking about today, just go out there and read that article. It's uh, an article, uh, The Genius of Andy Kaufman by Julia Hetch in The New Yorker. All right. All right. So we know a couple other things. He didn't just perform for money. I mean, he lived this stuff. He was all in, right? Yeah, I mean... That's kind of a testament to the fact that he wasn't necessarily just a comedian. You know, it, it wasn't just for money. He wasn't just trying to get rich. He was, all the time, he was doing these things. Yeah, he never missed an opportunity for a prank. Uh, just for example, um, when he got fired from Taxi, you know, normally people would be really upset about getting fired from a show or a thing they love doing. And he might have been a little upset, but he was like, you know, there's an opportunity here for a prank. And so... His alter ego, Tony Clifton, that a lot of people hate it, he made the producers of Taxi fire him as Tony Clifton and had them like dragging him out, causing a big scene oh. and stuff. <laughs> He's definitely a nut, man. He was a nut. He so was, was weird, like you said. He was a weird individual. Now, we know when we're talking about people's lives, oftentimes the best way to get to know people is through telling stories. So... Why don't we just hit some anecdotes, some uh, some funny stuff or strange stuff or whatever it might be that might kind of paint a picture of Mr. Kaufman. Yeah, but I first, think that's Keith, the best way to explain who he was, just tell things he did. You know? Exactly. But first, Keith, we've got a very important word from our sponsors. Vaseline. All right. Thank you very much. Back to the podcast. All right, so speaking of Vaseline, from the word from our sponsors, um, there was something he used Vaseline for. Look at number four there, John. He pretended to be sick and poor on the Letterman Show, and before he went out, he put a wad of Vaseline underneath his nose like it was snot. <laughs> All right. And y'all need to look this one up on YouTube, guys. He was just, the whole time, he just looked like he was sick and poor, and he was like, don't, don't laugh at me. This ain't funny. And then he started asking money from everybody in the audience, and he left. That was it. All right. like his whole that sounds drag. like something he could do. Yeah. All right, so another one, Keith. He cried on the dating game when he got picked as dude number two. He insisted that he had answered all the questions correctly. That's funny to me. Did you remember the dating game? Yeah, Did you ever see that? I, yeah, I saw reruns. It was before my time, but I saw some reruns. Right, and right. And uh, that that cracks me up that she didn't pick him. He just started crying. It probably made her feel bad. I need to go back and watch that one. There you go. Another one, very famous one. He wrestled women all over the world and never lost. Now, let's put this in perspective. It's not much different than today. So there was a big feminist movement, and everybody was going that direction. Andy went the other way with it. He's like provoked women and told <laughs> them they, did, they belonged in the kitchen and stuff like this and, and said, I'll wrestle any woman and show them that we're physically uh, superior to women and hit fight them just just to tick people just off. Just to make people mad. Yeah, just to make them I mad. remember that as a kid, him wrestling women. That was the weirdest thing. Of course, I was what? I was like, I don't know, 10, 12 years old during some of that. And I, you don't, a 10 or 12 year old is not going to have Andy Kaufman 
figured out too well. Right, no, absolutely so, not. But, I mean, that's something called satire that I think is kind of lost a lot in today's world. I mean, you, you'd probably get in a lot of trouble if you tried something like that today. Absolutely, man. So during one act, all he did was sing 100 bottles of beer on the wall. I think I'd have wanted a little more than that, man. Yeah, I mean, that was... But he didn't mind pissing, pissing people off, just right. eliciting reactions from people. That was crazy, too. Like, by the time he gets to 76, people are starting to think, this guy's serious. He's he's really going to go through with this. And then <laughs> and then I think he changed his voice a few times and did it like an Elvis, and then he did it, um, I don't know, a couple different characters. And then at 14, when he got to 14 balls of beer on the wall, he walked off stage. Like right. he wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna satisfy him with finishing it, and then they they were hollering for him to come back, you know, to finish it. That is crazy. You know what that puts me in the mind of? Do you remember that show? Do you ever watch Kids in the Hall? I don't think I ever saw that one. There was a guy on Kids in the Hall. He comes up on the stage as a classical guitar musician. He sits down with the guitar, pulls it up, and he starts tuning. Down, 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 down. And he turns, he's looking down at the guitar, he turns the key until the low E string pops. And he looks up very satisfied and smiles at the audience and kind of gives them a head nod. And then he goes to the A string. And he proceeds to go through and tune and bust all six strings and stands up and bows. Well, that was and it. walks off the stage. Yeah. It was pretty hilarious. That's very Andy Kaufman-esque. It is, yeah. indeed. All right, what you got next? Tell us about Mr. Kaufman, would you please? All right, so he would, uh, I kind of mentioned this one earlier, but he'd just get on stage and would read extended passages of The Great Gatsby, intentionally depriving the audience of a comic payoff. And so nothing funny about it. Just read extended <laughs> passages of The Great Gatsby and then leave. All right. Now here's one I like. He took a few thousand people for milk and cookies after a performance of his. It took about 30 buses to transport yeah, those folks. That's one of his Carnegie performances Hall to where Carnegie it. Hall, yeah. That's, that's cool. And that's who he was as a person. He, like, you know, I'm sure his, probably his manager was saying, you can't take a whole audience to go get milk and cookies. And Andy's like, watch me, you know. And he just does it. There you go. Finger to the man. That's right, man. I love it. So he had an alter ego we mentioned earlier, Keith, or you mentioned rather, Tony Clifton, who was rude and often provoked the audience, right? Yeah. So he insisted he was a real person. He would try to trick people into believing that by appearing as Andy Kaufman while Clifton was performing somewhere else. Yeah. But we know that that was who? His manager, Bob, or his brother, yeah, Michael. Yeah, Bob Smuda, or his brother, Michael. When he wanted to, he, he always insisted that Tony Clifton was this real person that he started to imitate and then over time tony got mad at him told him to stop so he did is what he would say right and so he said and he would tell people that he'd say so i stopped imitating him the, the guy you're seeing now is really tony clifton i got it was always really andy and then to try to trip people he would have his uh manager or his brother play it um how about the letterman show prank man that's a famous one jerry lawler i remember that I remember yeah seeing that. and what's crazy about it his people didn't know that that was planned or staged for like a decade. Oh, yeah. I remember that being a big deal, man. Yeah. Like 10 years later is when they found out that that Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman was actually in cahoots. It was so real looking. Like, they looked like they really ticked at each other. You That's know? pretty funny, man. So now here's a good one, Keith. This one will go over with the ladies right here, I'm sure, right? All right. So his manager Bob said he couldn't keep a girlfriend because he would always tape their most intimate moments and play them at parties. 
Yeah, and see, that tells you how it wasn't just about, you know, being famous or anything like that. No, he was, he just, was just a nut all the time. He was a nut. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't <laughs> want my intimate moments played like at a New Year's party. Absolutely not. I think my wife would, she would like punch me in the face maybe or something. That kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into his mind a little bit. He was troubled, you know, socially. Yeah, he sure. was awkward, I would say, for sure. And we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk shortly. about that. Uh, so did he his, ever? Oh, go ahead, I'm Keith. I'm sorry. One of his biggest pranks that we failed to mention was uh, that he actually often talked about faking his own death. And you can say that that prank kind of still lives on today because there's still people today who claim that he faked his own death and he's coming back. I people that you. were close to him. And so, like. Well, that's pretty wild. Yeah, it is pretty like wild. Like how many years later? Like 50 years later? Well, they, hey, they had different right. dates because I think he said it <laughs> several different times. And when he would say it, he would say different dates. And that's probably on purpose, knowing him. And uh, so I think there was just like to a mess with him. Yeah. When he died. That, so that, there was like a 20 year mark. And then I think the next one's coming up in like 2019 or something like that, that he might come back. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. He also worked as a bus boy at Posh Bagel Diner while he was on taxi just because he liked to do it. Yeah, I mean... Isn't that sure. weird? You're on a, this big TV show, and you just, yeah. hey, I'm going to work at the diner. And taxi's really kind of what made him popular. And so yeah. I'm, I'm sure he was getting paid Lotka. decently, you know. Lotka Gravis. But yeah, he just enjoyed doing the work as a busboy, so he did. You know, I knew a lady who uh, I used to... Well, let's don't get too personal. <laughs> no. Okay. A lady... How do I put it? Hmm. A co-worker. Let's put it that All way. Right, from many years ago. That was a very intelligent woman, master's degree in her chosen field, and she continued being a waitress one night a week at a particular restaurant that she had worked at for like 20 years just because she liked being a waitress, and everybody loved her to death. That's cool. I like that. that. Yeah. Well, I like that because, you know, work is not always about just making money. Oh, heck no. It's about doing what you love, you know. So... So um, uh, one of the lesser-known things that he did was he only lost in a wrestling match on one occasion. Um, he actually let a group of ho- uh, nurses at a hospital win because he had went to visit a fan that was dying, and and he let them win in order to entertain her. And All right. He didn't really well, want people cool. to know about that. He never <laughs> mentioned it to anybody. I think his brother revealed that later on. He would do bits just for himself with no audience at all. Yeah, so like in a mirror or something like that. I mean, supposedly, you know, I guess you can't really know for sure. But Keith, you know, you did it. You know, you had your Dallas Cowboy pajamas on, flexing, yeah. doing your routine. I do it all the time. Man. Man. Yeah, got to practice Heck somewhere. Yeah. So let's talk about his mental health. That's the first thing when we started talking about him a little bit. I thought I think this guy has some kind of personality disorder. He obviously had some serious. I don't know. I don't, that that might be argumentative, but. It would be easily suggestible that he had some serious issues going on under the right. covers behind the scenes, if you will. Yeah, and I, you know, and I was a little nervous about doing this particular podcast because we were talking about a real person here. You know, it's right. not like just just some ideas we have. I mean, and I feel like you know it's important to me to honor him, you know, right. and his work and what he did. Um, but you know, it is. May I do this real quick? Yeah, absolutely. The views expressed on this podcast are not necessarily the views of Keith and John or Flumadiddle Incorporated. Beep. We're covered now. 
We got it. Thank you. Okay. Um, so there are some facts, though, that we do know about. Like, he did start seeing a psychiatrist from the age of, like, three or four. He said okay. three, and his mother said four. Gotcha. Um, until he went to college, actually, and then he found meditation, and that's okay. how he stopped seeing a psychiatrist. So he was big into meditation. Gotcha. Um, his mother described him as having a temper and being wild when he was a child. And uh, she said he was always an angry person, unhappy, and impatient until he found meditation. You know, and the way he was, personality-wise, the way you could never tell what was true and wasn't true, Yeah, he would have probably been impossible to evaluate anyway because you never know what's true, what's not true. What's... I don't think he would take it seriously. Like, if he went in to, to get evaluated for let's say, multiple personalities, he would purposely have a different personality to try right. to throw her off because he would think it's funny, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it's, I don't know, I'm conjecturing here Yeah. from our throne of pop psychology. Right. But I don't know, it seems like a, you know, a big barrier. You're yeah. just throwing up around yourself, not wanting to let too many people in real close because what little I know about him and have heard interviews and stuff over the years of close friends even expressed they didn't know. Yeah, when exactly. he was doing whatever, well, when let's he was say, being real, whenever he was faking. Well, let's say this too, John. Like, let's say that he did have a personality disorder. Is is that really bad? I mean, that's his. That's not his fault. Like, a lot of those things you can't help. You right. Know? Oh, sure. And Absolutely. So, no, we're not I think blaming. A takeaway from this is that he was successful. If he did have those things, he was in successful in spite of those things. Absolutely. He was able to overcome them. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about the genesis. Of Andy Kaufman. How he got started. How I love get started, man. how people get started stories, you know. Absolutely. I think it's cool to see like the how people. Comers, how they got from where they were to where we knew them. Right. At. Absolutely. So, um, you know, he said himself he didn't have a lot of confidence as a child. Um, his mother, almost like, like in a confession in that interview, she's talked about how, you know, she said he was wild and stuff. And right. like somebody has suggested to her that she just tie him to a tree. <laughs> and uh, I think she tried it, and then he was like, you know, going crazy on the tree, and she felt bad about it, so she quickly untied him, you know. But uh, I can assume, though, if your mom's tying you a tree, you know, there, there might be some confidence issues there. Yeah, you know? there's some family dynamics happening there, right. if you will. Which, you know, she did feel bad about it. She said that, you know, and it wasn't for very long. So, you know, probably just one of them bad parenting moments that we all have from time to well, time. Yes. I remember that time you tied your children to the tree, Keith. Right, yeah, no, no, don't come get me DHR. That was not true. That's um, not true. But it was on the roof of the car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they loved that. that oh, fun. they enjoyed that. Yeah. But anyway, um, so he learned how to run a projector. Like his dad would play movies for him, and at that time it was a projector reel, you know. Right. And uh, his dad taught him Real how to do reel. it. And um, so. For him, that was kind of a sense of freedom. It was like, you know, Dad, don't have to do it for us. I can do it. You know, right, I can play my absolutely. own movies. And so he, because he knew how to run a projector, he would start, he started doing that stuff at like birthday parties. He would play movies for people at birthday. And by the All time right. he was 14, he was entertaining at parties. He would run the projector and show movies, but he also do some magic he was spinning and some that comedy. Wax, brother. Yeah, buddy. He was, All right. He was an entertainer already by that time. And so anyway, after, uh, High school, his friends started going off to college and stuff, and college just wasn't for Andy. You know, he just didn't see that as being his future. And um, so he just he just started driving a taxi, trucks, and stuff like that, and he said that he drank a lot. 
So he was in the process, Keith, if you will, of finding himself and where he would right. fit in in the world. So his father was a little disappointed, right, about him not going to college. Yeah. And said he could do a whole lot more with his life. He used to perform at children's parties. Surely he could do something with that. Yeah. So he had pamphlets printed up titled Uncle Andy's Funhouse. His friends started telling him he should go on TV and do something like Bozo the Clown did. So Andy said that he put it all together and decided he would go on TV as a clown and make a name for himself and at the same time continue his party entertainment business and then franchise it as he became popular. Right, so he really he kind of got this idea, you know, I want to I want to start my own party franchise, you know. All right. And so he's a businessman, an entrepreneur, if you will. Yeah, so kind of his that was his end game. Um, and in order to 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 accomplish that, he thought he could do some kind of children's TV program like Bozo the Clown. All right. Which would be that Uncle Andy's Funhouse. That would probably been a creepy show. Right. Yeah. Well, he actually did it, though. You can, he did the Uncle Andy's Funhouse. You can see some oh, yeah. episodes. Yeah. That's cool. And what's funny is, like, just the way he was, this is his, this is his uh, sense of humor right here. He had the producers to put in, like, a flaw in the film so that it looked like your TV was messing up during Uncle Andy's Funhouse. <laughs> and the producers didn't want to do it. They were like, we're afraid that people are going to change the channel, you know, and just, or just not watch it or think that we have bad quality. Right. But he wanted to do it. And who gets a kick out of that? I mean, he don't even get to see the people's faces when they're when they're beating on the side of their TV, because that's what you did back then exactly. to try to fix your TV. You beat exactly. on the side you of You put like the Arthur Fonzarelli pop. I had one. I could pop it just the right place. and Yeah, and it'd come back. Everything was fixed, brother. Right. But So that's the kind of personality he had, though. He's like, I'm going to do this prank. I won't even get to see the payoff of it. But anyway, um, so he enrolled in a junior college for radio. All right. And, so um, radio, so, television, film. Right. And this is kind of how he started and what he did. Um, this I think this was kind of a pivotal moment for him. He said that he was always late for everything. And so college was no different. You know, he would come into to class late. Right. And he would dress. And he was telling this interviewer this story. He said, I would dress just like I dress now, you know, in my overcoat, my other coat, my and my gloves and this on and that on, you know. He said, and so I'd come in late to class and class had already started and I, I wasn't trying to be, you know, draw attention on myself, but I'm sitting there, I'm taking my coat off, I'm taking this other coat off, taking my gloves off and it takes me a while, <laughs> you know, and he said, by the time I was done, people were laughing at me. And he, he kind of, he started noticing that he'd always been laughed at, not just laughed with, stuff. yeah, just laughed right. at, people laughed at him, you know, like as a joke. And so he said, I'm just going to use that. And then he got invited to be the comic relief to this soul band's um, performance. All and right. he decided he was going to imitate Elvis. And, uh, and Andy, just are you good on Elvis? Well, he imitate Elvis and play his congos. All right. And that's what he did. Over time, he, he started noticing that uh, people, when he imitated Elvis, people would just kind of think, well, does this guy think he's handsome or something like that? And so then he brought the foreign man into the picture and would do Elvis as an impression that the foreign man was doing. All right. And so that's <laughs> kind of how he got started there. So why did he take the show Taxi? I mean, that's a big part for him. That's a great show. I remember that show growing up, yeah. watching it. But, you know, he, he mentioned Lutka. to people, though, that he didn't like those kind of sitcoms. He was not a fan of them. Right. So, like, why take that? I don't know. Exposure? Yeah. 
I mean, like I said, his, his end game was Uncle Andy's Funhouse, and like his manager told him that if he took that role in Taxi, it, it would get him exposure, and then he might be able to do what he really wanted to do. There you go. Absolutely. All right, man. So out of all that, what's your favorite bid that he did? Probably that Jerry Lawler thing. Yeah. I remember that because I used to love the Letterman show. And when you watch that, it was like, holy cow, is that for real? I know. And like you said, it didn't come out to a decade later. They played it off that it was absolutely real. Yeah, I don't know when it came out, but I know when I watched it when I was younger, I still thought it was real, even if it already come out that it was real, it was right. fake. I still, I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. He did another stunt like that on uh, Friday, or was it called Fridays or Friday nights or something like that. I'm not sure. It was the uh, live uh, version. It was ABC, I think, that was trying to do a, a counteract to NBC to Saturday, Saturday Night, Night live. live. Yeah. And they called it like Friday or something like that. Friday nights. That sounds right, right. And it come out later that this was planned too, but it didn't look planned either. They were in a skit and it had something about smoking weed in it. And he was like, in the middle of the skit, just stopped and was like, guys, I can't do this. I can't do a skit about smoking weed. That's not right. You know, <laughs> and just stopped the whole skit. And then like the, one of the other actors went and got the cue cards and threw them in his lap and was like, read the lines or something like that. And, but anyway, it was all planned. It was another one of his pranks. They were in on it, or at least some of the actors were in. I don't know that they all were. Absolutely. Probably my favorite, though, is Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse. So he would would walk out on stage with his record player. He would put the record on, and it would start playing Mighty Mouse. And you would think, you know, he's going to lip-sync the whole thing. He would wait until the chorus, and like... He kind of did this thing where it's like he was anticipating the course. He'd almost start, and then he'd like figure out that I'm too early. Right. And then he'd stop, and then he'd, and he'd wait. And then finally the course come, and he would lip sing, Mighty Mouse is here to save the day. <laughs> That's just, that cracked me up. That's there you hilarious. Go. That was my favorite bit. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's some, uh, mm-hmm. some things people need to check out, John, to get further information about Andy Kaufman? Because I'm hoping that we have made – Flummit Idler's Andy Kaufman fans today. Absolutely. They can check him out. Now, you know what? With the modern miracle that is the interwebs, Keith. The interwebs. You've got uh, YouTube. YouTube. You know you can find anything on YouTube. Search Andy Kaufman, and there will be more Andy Kaufman than there's ever been in the history of time. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. You can see all you those find all these bits that about, we've talked about today. Many, many, many more. But, um, yeah, check out that article that I got most of this information from, too. It was, was This Man a Genius by Julia Hetch. Now, when was that written, Keith? Do you know right offhand? I don't know. I don't All remember. Right. Well, we don't know, so y'all check it out and let us check know. Send us an email. Something. So, 99 film, we know our man, John Kerry. Yes. Which I think, you know, looking at his talk, art, What am I talking about? There's nobody named John Kerry. His name's Jim Kerry, man. Jim Kerry. I, yeah, I, I didn't even catch it, man. man it's Friday. It. It's been a busy week. It's been a busy three weeks. So who knew, you know John Kerry? I think that's I think John's his brother. Yeah, I think John. it's Jim's brother. It's his twin. Right, but Jim Kerry. Jim Kerry. On now the other we know hand, him. I know Jim. He um man, just looking at his career, it seemed like he was heavily influenced by some Andy Kaufman, don't you think? Oh yeah, John Kerry's always been a big fan. Yeah, <laughs> John Kerry. <laughs> He's a big fan of Jim Kerry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Andy Kaufman. And Andy Kaufman. Um, so. Jim Carrey did play, though, in that movie, Man on the Moon. He did, indeed. And that's a, kind of a documentary film about Andy Kaufman. And it's it's pretty accurate, I have to say. So, Keith, 
there's also a new documentary on Netflix, if you will, featuring an interview with John Kerry and his experience playing Andy Kaufman. Yeah, have you seen that one with John Kerry? I did, and uh, man, that was very revealing. Oh, John, he when he did the part of Andy Kaufman, man, he he did what's called method acting. Right. I don't know that he always does method acting, but he did for this part. You know, there's some actors who do method acting for every part. Yeah, that's weird. It is weird, yeah, but I can see why they do it because I, I feel like it become if you become that person, then it seems more authentic on camera. I feel you. And, I mean, I, but anyway, I get the principle. He took method acting to a whole new level in this, and that documentary shows about that. Like he become Andy Kaufman the whole time he did that movie. That's cool. Like even his family were like <laughs> thought it was really strange how much like their like family Andy member Kaufman. yeah oh wow like he said that in that interview he said that he had a hour-long conversation with Andy Kaufman's daughter who never got to meet him as Andy Kaufman and she got to like talk to her dad he said it was extremely emotional oh that's kind of wild huh? it is wild yeah that's a trip man but like he was Andy Kaufman on and off set and like and also he brought Tony Clifton into the picture too and he was like really irritating some of the people who were making that movie right. <laughs> with Andy Kaufman and with Tony Clifton. Like, the director at one point was just like, it's like, Andy. Because he wouldn't let him call him Jim. He's like, I'm not Jim, I'm Andy. He's like, Andy, you've got to let me make a movie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> i got to make a movie here. <laughs> he was getting real frustrated with him. That's, That's crazy, man. Enough. That's wild. I, yeah, I had to check that out. The actual movie I have not seen. Man on the Moon. You haven't seen Man on the Moon? No. Oh, my gosh. Man, that will... That will give you probably the best um, uh, picture of who Andy Kaufman was because it's pretty accurate and it's kind of like a lot of these things we just talked about in the I got film. You. Yeah. Oh, you got to watch it. Well, right on, man. Well, there's Andy Kaufman, y'all. Check him out. Check out the YouTube. Search him up. Yeah. Watch these movies. Watch these things. Plus, John Kerry's performance in that was phenomenal. Outstanding yeah. in his field. Absolutely. Well, Keith, why don't you tell the people, the Flummadiddlers, how they can get in touch with us? Well, the the website on the interwebs is uh, com. That is one M, not two, because... Two is a dessert. That's right. Also, hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on some Twitter. Hit us up on some Gmail. Doyouflummadiddle at gmail.com. That's doyouflummadiddle at gmail.com. That's the best place to give us some ideas. for Exactly. Give us your feedback. Give us your ideas. And Keith, you know what else the people can do for us? They can go on iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, wherever, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah. And leave us a five-star rating, please. Absolutely. We'll appreciate it. All right, man. And we'll keep on flummadiddling. All right. All right, all right. Y'all hang out with us. We're going to keep slogging our way through the informational wasteland. Again, I'm John. I'm Keith. Peace out. Peace.